Well, hello, geeks, and welcome back to the Freaking Geeks podcast. We're your host, Michael and Sarah. Hey, geeks. So, as you know, Alien Covenant coming out this week. It's a big deal, right? You know. Oh, we yeah. Did... We're all very excited to see this one. Right. We had Prometheus a few years back, and of course, we've got Alien Covenant, which, you know, promises to get us closer, you know, to <laughs> the beginning of Alien. Um,. It looks like it's going to be a good movie, and the reception so far, at least that I've been able to see, has been pretty good. So, yeah, pretty positive. So, uh, hopefully, when we go see it, it actually you know holds up, Um, and or it could be you know even better. I guess we just have to wait and see how it is. But until that blessed day comes, which obviously is just a few days away, we are going to be reviewing Alien. The Yay. original 1979 Ridley Scott film, yes, Alien. It's going to be uh, a good podcast. I, I hadn't seen Alien in about three or four years. Yeah, same here. It was like definitely, I don't know, like, it was weird to watch this when you know, you've seen different Alien movies over the past couple of years, and it's so much like more stillness, eeriness, and sans any kind of music most of the time it's mostly just space you hear and it's really an interesting take on the first uh first try and really bold for its time like you don't even think about it until you go back and reflect yeah it is um i, I love this movie i know a lot of people prefer aliens <laughs> the uh james cameron sequel from in 1986 that came out um I like them both for very different reasons. Um, one of the reasons why I like Alien so much is because of the the stillness. There's a lot of scenes which are very, very quiet. In fact, if you watch this entire movie, it's amazing how little dialogue there really is. It's true. Like There's like 10 minutes where nothing is said at times, and mm-hmm. that's insanity. <laughs> you would never think to do that today. Like I can't think of a movie in this day and age that does that and it, but it, you barely notice it. Like I had to actually think about like what was going on in the scenes to actually notice like, man, no one said anything in a while. It's just, you hear space and you're looking at the atmosphere and what's going on. And yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. So let's go over some basic facts here. So it was directed by Ridley Scott. It had a budget of $8.4 million, which was actually doubled. The original budget was $4.2 million, uh, and Fox doubled the budget to $8.4 million. And uh, it made uh, a good amount of money, too. You know, for what they put into it, you know, it had a really great marketing campaign for its time. You know, that no internet didn't exist. You know, they had to rely on trailers and other advertisements in order to get the word out. And uh, and ended up becoming a a critical and uh, you know commercial you know, smash really you know really nominated, yeah it won it won an Academy Award for uh, I believe best special effects I don't and, doubt it <laughs> yeah well well deserved too by the yeah, way yeah no kidding yeah um it's a really uh it's got a really great documentary in fact if you go on you can find it, I think, on YouTube. It's a really good uh, behind-the-scenes documentary. It's a couple hours long. goes in detail with the people who wrote the script, um, you know, has the actors, 
directors and all that. And so it's really nice. So if you have a chance to check out the, the documentary, I highly recommend it. Um, you'll, you'll learn a lot of really good little nuggets about Alien if you didn't already know them. So Yeah, it's always nice to go into documentaries and get to learn a bit about behind the scenes and the things that are like connecting and that you wouldn't think to or observe in the first place. And yeah. Especially with a movie like this, it's always kind of pretty interesting to see behind the scenes and how this stuff was made. I mean, the art alone, so incredible. Like everything looks like it's like from war or spinal bones, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. everything and it's so cohesive. So it looks like it is absolutely supposed to meant to be there, you know, like it's very cohesive. Loved it. Yeah. Well, the script was written by uh, Dan O'Bannon, and he wrote it with uh, Donald Shusett, and it stars uh, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Tom Skerritt, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Ian Holm, and Yafet Koto. And uh, it was one of those movies where... It had a combination of well-respected veteran actors along with, you know, kind of some newcomers or people that hadn't really done much in the way of movies. So, uh, even though, even though Ian Holm was a well-respected, you know, British thespian, he really hadn't done any, you know, significant film work. This time, his actually first film now that I think about it and the same was definitely true for Sigourney Weaver she was a stage actress at that point uh, she was hired um, based on the strength of her stage acting you know her reputation uh, at that point as a stage actress on top of the fact that she had a really good audition uh, when she was she auditioned for the role uh, they were blown away and they said this is our this is our Ripley right here yeah, good call on their part. She's amazing in everything. Right. Uh, Veronica Cartwright, when she was hired, uh, she thought she got the role of Ripley. <laughs> in fact, she was actually at the fitting, you know, for you know the fitting to get all the stuff. And she found out then that she, you know, wasn't in the role of Ripley, that she was, you know, a different role entirely. So um, she wasn't pleased, really, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um but I think they made the right decision. Yeah, I. If you put like Rip or Ripley, Sigourney Weaver in her plays and in her and Ripley's plays, my eyes would still be drawn to Sigourney Weaver. Like she's way more captivating, and she totally like you eyes go right to her in every scene. I don't know. There's something about her, like. She has one of those really like eternal beauty kind of faces, but that's also like super strong she's something really special about her as an actress. Right. And Veronica Cartwright's biggest uh, issue with Lambert was that she was kind of whiny, I guess she didn't, she didn't like, she didn't like her attitude, you know, and that she was just like freaking out all the time, you know, about stuff. But, um, you know, she, she found, you know, whatever she could within the character that she did like. And I think she tried to bring as much of that to the surface as possible. But, um, you know, I thought she did an excellent job, you know, in the role. I think everybody in this film does an amazing job. Nobody phones it in. You know, no one yeah. comes on this movie and thinks, I'm going to be a movie. Eh, I'm getting paid pennies here. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, do a 
half decent job because, you know, I'm not working for, you know, Woody Allen or, you know, Francis Ford Coppola or whatever, you know, or George Lucas or whatever. So I'm, I'm not going to, you know, put in the hard work and I'm glad that everyone really put forth their best effort because it shows. And on top of that, it also illustrates that there's the fact that there are so many movies that get made where if you just looked at the budget and the actors involved, you'd be forgiven to think that that movie isn't going to be very good, but then it is great, you know? So yeah, it's like a rule that actors need to, to understand, which is you don't know when you're going to be in a great movie and when you're going to be in a bad movie. There are really big budgeted, horrible, horrible movies. And there are amazing you know, low budget movies that get made for, you know, pennies on the dollar every year and they are leaps and bounds better than yeah. stuff that's, that's 10 times their budget. Yeah. I think like split was made for like $10 million and look how incredible that was. And then you have like that big budget movie, uh, the Egyptian gods one. What was that called? Oh, gods of Egypt. Yeah. And that was just <laughs> terrible. Right. Right, definitely, yeah. All right, so before we go any further, we probably <laughs> should mention Barry isn't here with us this week. Uh, he had oh, yeah, to, that guy. Yeah, right. You're like, eh? yeah. He had to bow out this week. Unfortunately, um, he had some pressing matters that he had to attend to. He just couldn't make it. He really wanted to be here because, you know, as you could hear, probably think from last week, he's really excited for Alien Covenant. Uh, yeah, this we is all, his baby. Right. We had all we had all decided uh, after the podcast. Uh, wrapped up that we finished recording we decided we're going to do alien you know to do that before alien covenant comes out uh he had watched it he was all prepared and some things just came up and he you know couldn't be here tonight so you know without okay you know we'll just take the reins and you know knock out the podcast more important than us apparently (laughs) can't even make it here for alien Gee whiz, you know, you'd think that you'd think that that dedication to to Alien and the podcast would come through, but guess not. Whatever, we'll just do Fine. it. Alone. <laughs> yeah, no, but seriously, uh, yeah, Rake will be back next week uh, for Alien Covenant review, so don't worry. Yay. He'll be, yep, he'll be back. They're gonna go another mandate and watch Alien. <laughs> that, yep, that's probably gonna happen. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's uh, let's talk about Alien. So it came out in 1979, and there were a lot of wonderful reviews. But did you know there are a lot of really bad reviews for Who this film? Who would have anything bad to say about this movie? They're insane. Do you want to hear some? Just some blurbs? Yes. Okay. Um, this is one right here. It says... An empty-headed horror movie with nothing to recommend it beyond the disco-inspired art direction and some handsome, if gimmicky, cinematography. Disco-inspired? Is that a reference to, like, the minor few scenes of flashes when you see the alien? Like, are you kidding me? I, I, I guess so. Um, oh my god, this person... <laughs> yeah, well, there's more from other, other you know, critics. Um, a horrid film skillful and studied in its nastiness and there is little the cast can do to mitigate its manipulative horror so someone sounds like they went on a drinking binge before writing that one 
Uh, has the usual number of inconsistencies, improbabilities, and outright absurdities characteristic of the sci-fi and horror genres. Somebody's into romantic comedies. Pass. <laughs> uh, an empty bag of tricks whose production values and expensive trickery cannot disguise imaginative poverty. <laughs> oh my god, that one's mean. What a dick. Unlike Star Wars... Alien has no oh, affection boy. for past movies of its genre. It just rips them off. Stripped of its futuristic setting and pretensions, this film is an old-time B-monster picture. Alien might just as well be about a huge scorpion loose in a haunted house circa 1953. The toothy alien is no fun. His ever-changing appearance sum summons up everyone's worst fantasies about shellfish. <laughs> that one's hilarious! Like, Oh my god, I want to talk to this person in real life and see what their home life is like. There's another one. Uh, an overblown B-movie, technically impressive but awfully pretentious and as difficult to sit through as a black mass sung in Latin. Alien like Dawn of the Dead only scares you away from the movies. Oh my god. This, mm. And here's the Man. last one. Here's <laughs> the last one for you. What's wrong with these people? Occasionally one sees a film that uses the emotional resources of movies with such utter cynicism that no one feels sickened by the medium itself. Alien is so effective, it has practically turned me off movies altogether. Fine, then don't watch them. Ghost at Home, Beast and Spinster, that doesn't talk to anybody because you clearly are a waste of space. <laughs> well, I, I didn't mention the reviewers by name here, but uh, let's just say that some of these reviews were by some pretty well-known critics of the time and still today. So there you go. Losers. <laughs> Clearly have their heads up their asses. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, look, it happens. You know, every movie has its uh, share of bad reviews unless um, you're the movie get out. Whose only negative review is uh, by one consistently, contrarian critic whose sole job it seems to be is to uh, find the general temperature that a movie is getting critically and, and go the opposite direction. So if a movie is really terrible, generally, you know, like most people agree, hey, this is a really bad movie, he'll like be positive about it. If, if a movie is getting a lot of critical love, he'll have a negative review. So, you know. No faithful, honest opinions whatsoever. Those are probably the ones I hate worst. People who have actual opinions. <laughs> well, people that have contrarian opinions. It's it's. I I yeah. don't. I have no problem with someone disagreeing with what I have to say, or having an opinion that's different from my own on a movie. So if I like a movie, you say you hate a movie. That's fine. But what I hate are people who are contrarians. You know, when it comes to. Uh, hate it because it's popular and, right so it's like um yeah it's like uh a band gets really popular right everybody loves them this person hates them they don't hate them because they actually dislike the music they hate they hate it because everyone else likes it so therefore they have to hate it you yeah know? they have to be it's like you know, the hipster of critics <laughs> you know they have to be looking into something original and that nobody else knows about and so they're special, right? So it's, it's really, like you're just yeah. garbage. It's like the it's like those people that um they find that band, you know, yeah. 
and they're like, oh, this band's amazing. And then, and then they blow up in popularity. Now everybody at school loves them. Now they hate them. You know, like, oh, I liked them before they were popular. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of pretentious, you know, bullshit. Um, yeah, I hate that. Anyway, yeah, off on this tangent here. Uh, <laughs> okay, so so let's actually let's get back to what we're here to talk about, which is Alien. Um, let's talk about this this movie, but let's first start out with a premise. Uh, let's give a rundown of what's going on here. It's very simple, you know. If you look at the the nugget of what this movie is about yeah okay it's a monster movie in space you know really um but what's a good rundown here what's a good synopsis well um you have a crew right they're on a ship they're on their way to another location or on their way home and they get woken up right because mother who kind of runs the ship, whether they're all asleep, has woken them up because there's a distress beacon. They hear there's a signal that's coming uh, from this planet, and uh, they find out that they are uh, being forced, due to the the wording of their contract, to go down to this planet and find out, you know, what it means if there's like alien life form or if they're you know whatever it is or if there's people that are there and they need help they have to go they basically have to go and find out what this is all about yeah and they go they down continue yeah. with their mission right so they go down to the surface uh, a few of the the people go out and uh in doing so when they're searching around one of them gets this thing kind of shoots <laughs> out of this out of this egg uh into his face mask, onto his face, and uh, they end up carrying him back. They pull him on board, um, despite the protestations of Ripley. And yeah, Mr. Uh, uh, oh, what's his face? What is his name? Um, Ash. Yeah, he lets them in. Yeah, Ash lets them in. And then um, there's a there's this thing. They it's a, it's a face hugger. Uh, <laughs> they try to get it off. Has acid for blood. Uh, and uh, they they don't know how they're going to get this thing off of them. But when they come back in, it's gone. They find the face hugger. It uh, it's dead or dying. And uh, at first, you know, they think that their friend is okay, but then he kind of heals over. On, basically, uh, he starts to, having a lot of pains and he's screaming, and all of a sudden this chest bursts open and this alien comes out it uh, skitters away and essentially after that it's really a monster movie in space they have to they're trying to find it uh, but one by one it's taking them out and uh the stakes are getting higher as the the body count goes up and uh you know that's essentially a rundown of the movie is anybody left at the end really you know so just one just one so that's basically the general synopsis of this entire movie, uh, rundown of the events that really make up Alien. It's a very simple movie, a very simple uh, plot, you know, as you can see from me. <laughs> that quick rundown is literally the, you know, pretty much the entire movie for the most yeah. part. And, and it's broad strokes. So, Sarah, what did you mm-hmm. think of Alien? Well, I mean, it's a classic. It's... One of my favorite movies of all time, definitely in the top 100, of course, uh, maybe probably in the top 50. It's you know one of those really great classic movies that it still holds up 
all this time. Like, you still in complete suspense. Like, because I hadn't seen it in a few years, I've forgotten, like, when the alien drops down or when the chest, like, finally bursts in. It's definitely, like, I can't believe they got away with this, too. Like, so many years ago, it is quite... Uh, graphic and startling and I mean the very concept of the face hugger is like it's implanting its children inside you to incubate so it can like burst out of you and go live. I mean that's pretty messed up for, you know, nineteen seventy nine. That's pretty insane. And the fact that they made this is pretty pretty great. Uh, I can't say anything bad about this movie. I mean like, some people have a problem with, you know, the long lengths of silence, but I think that makes the movie better. What do you think? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, this is a classic for a reason. Um, and while it was critically, got critical, I don't want to say critical raves. I guess that's not really fair. We just uh, saw that there's, it was critically <laughs> panned, you know, as well. Uh, I think there was obviously more critical praise for the film as opposed to negative, but it was by no means a massive hit either. Um, you know, there, there I mean, I don't know. I'd have to go and look at all the critics back then and, and see how it was received. But, you know, based on what I've been able to read, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it came out and it just ex- it wasn't like Star Wars, you know, it didn't just explode on the populace. Um, but it's like one of those movies like, like Blade Runner, you know, uh, where it wasn't understood when it first came out. It took years. It took, you know, time away, distance really for people to come around to it and say, that's a really great movie, you know, and you find that happens a lot, I think with movies. You know, a movie will come, right. Well, a movie will come out and it gets critically panned. And then 10 years later, 15 years later, people are just talking about it. You know, oh, it's amazing. It's such an amazing movie. Because sometimes how a movie really is, we don't fully understand it until we can get some distance and have time to come back to it with fresh eyes. Oh, it's and true. It's the same thing with like, yeah, like I said, Blade Runner. Blade Runner was panned. I mean, Blade Runner was eviscerated by critics. Now it's, you know, along with Alien, you know, considered, you know, one of the top, probably top five science fiction movies of all time. You know? Yeah, and it's coming back. Right. I exactly. The end of this year? Or is it maybe next year? I think I it's coming back. I think it's the end of this year. Oh, that's exciting. So, but yeah, look, I mean, Alien is so good. It's good because unlike today where there's like the fast cut style filmmaking, you know, where it's like cuts uh, in the film are shots are like one to two seconds, maybe three seconds. And then boom, another cut and a cut, 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 cut. Whereas this is like old style filmmaking here. We have shots that last 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Um, much longer shots than what we see today. Uh, I love the stillness of the movie. We talked about how there's very little dialogue uh, in this movie overall, not that much. And they, like you said, there's certain points where there, there's nothing. You know, it's just showing what's going on, but nobody's talking because you don't have to fill that silence all the time. Sometimes that silence speaks to you 
on its own, yeah, which is so yeah. good. No, it's so true. I mean, to have those long periods of silence, you get to appreciate, you know, the fact that I don't know, there's like that you can feel that you're in space. It set, puts you in their world where it might be too fast paced and too much information. If they didn't have those moments of silence that you actually feel like you're taking time to also um, digest what you've just seen and kind of go back to that stillness and be able to cope with the next crazy scene. Cause it is a lot to like, it is a very simple storyline, but it's a lot to digest, especially back then when something like this hadn't been really seen before. It was very shocking and the concepts were very strange and it was before its time. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It definitely was before its time, but what really makes this movie so good is it's a masterclass in building tension. And oh it's my also God, some really great parts. It's also a masterclass in pacing. Now, some people will watch this and they'll complain that it's slow. Uh, I understand where they're coming from, only in that I, I understand that this movie doesn't get to the point where the alien becomes a true factor until, like, you're 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Before the, the, the chest bursting scene even happens. So, some people might watch this and go, okay, come on already. You know, because they're not used to a film that takes its time to set everything up. You know, in the 40 minutes, we've had a chance to understand and learn about the ship, the culture on the ship, the people on the ship, you know, who they are, uh, the broad strokes of their character. You know, these are all things that are important because we're not going to care about these characters if, you know, we get 10 minutes to spend with them before, you know, the big alien thing happens. You know, like, which happens a lot these days with movies. It's like, man, let's, how quickly can we get, you know, to the good stuff? You know, no yeah. building character, no building tension. It's all just, you know, let's get to the good stuff right away. And that's <laughs> not, I think, how you make a really great horror film. I think the, the horror films that really stand the test of time, the ones that really do a great job, uh, they are ones that understand that, uh, Tension and building tension slowly is is like being suffocated slowly, you know? <laughs> like, initially, it's like, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I can still kind of breathe. Uh, and then <laughs> and then after a while, though, you're starting to freak out because you can't breathe. Now you're really in trouble. And then that's like, you know, how this movie plays with the tension. I mean, you find yourself in so many instances where you're holding your breath. You know, because you, That's you, so true. you forgot to breathe. You're so like totally wired into this movie. And when things get going, when the alien comes out of the chest um, and, and scurries away and you know that this thing is going to become a factor, uh, you're like you're waiting for the thing to leap out at any moment. If you've, if you've ever seen Alien, that's what you think. Like this thing's going to like leap out and latch onto somebody's throat and rip it out or something, you know. Yeah, it's scary to watch and even scarier to play. Uh, I don't know if you've played Alien Isolation before. No, but I've seen lots of videos, so oh it's scary. God. It is. I, I haven't made it through the whole thing because it's just that terrifying. When you, Just like watching the movie, you also, like, you're looking around every single corner and looking in every single cranny to make sure it's not going to like come and get you. It's 
the most terrifying game I've ever played because it, you just don't know. Like it's so suspenseful and it has the same qualities as the movie does. Just breathtaking. <laughs> Completely takes your breath away. Yeah, it definitely, definitely does. Just from the videos that I've seen, it it's a pretty impressive game. It feels like it's like Silent Hill, you know. Oh yeah. So I did a good job. Veronica Cartwright, let's talk about that chest bursting scene for a second. <laughs> so the actors knew that this was going to happen, but what really makes this scene so good is that Ridley Scott didn't fill all the actors in on some of the <laughs> finer details of what was going to be happening in this scene. One of the things that they didn't know was going to happen, if I remember correctly, is that much blood was going to come out. So yeah. if you look at the scene, Veronica Cartwright gets hit with a pretty big spray of blood all yep. on her face, on her clothes. She actually slips and falls back because she's so startled. And the screams and the reactions that you see from the actors, that's all real. That's not fake. Um, they they purposefully let or purposefully um, held back some of the information because they wanted to get as close to an authentic reaction from the actors as they could. And so that's part of what makes that scene beyond just how awesome it is. That's part of what makes that scene so good is the reaction isn't an act. It's, it's basically real, like a real reaction. (laughs) It's so well done. And uh, the acting that gets me every single time is John Hurts. He does such an amazing job of being in pain and like when they're trying to you know, get him to bite down on the spoon and uh, he's just agony and it doesn't even look like he's purposefully you know, trying to avoid it for the scene. It looks so real, like he's in actual pain. Uh, so big kudos to the late John Hurt. I mean, he did. he's such an amazing actor, especially in this scene. He was so amazing. Uh, yeah, John Hurt, uh, I mean, unfortunately, he has passed away, uh, but he was such an amazing actor, and he had done so many things. If you go look at his IMDb page, it's just filled with rule after rule. Oh, yeah. He did so many things during his long and illustrious career, and this is one of the most well-known, just, I mean, the chest-bursting scene alone, just... <laughs> you know, one of the things he's probably most known for, despite Iconic. the fact that you're right, despite the fact that this movie came out like almost 40 years ago. So, yeah, and he is so baby faced in here. He looks so young, but he's actually like, I think in his late 30s or maybe early 40s. I here. think he's in his 40s here. That's yeah. crazy. Like, he's right. so baby faced, right? Yeah, I can't believe that. Everyone is so young here, you know. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, Sigourney Weaver. I think she was around maybe, let's say, twenty four, twenty five at the time. You know, so yeah. I mean, she still looks amazing, but it's like it's that baby face quality when you're really young, and yeah, it's it's so cool to see when they're like that age, and also they can produce such amazing acting at, at that such age. A young age. Yeah, at yep. such a young age. Um. So practical effects really make up a lot of the stuff that we see in this movie. A lot of stuff is in frame. You know, Ridley wanted to keep things in frame. And, of course, given the budget and the constraints uh, technologically at the time, you know, unlike today where, well, we'll just make it with, you know, digital effects. 
back then they had to make everything you know so yep. like the alien was created physically <laughs> um all of the stuff that you saw uh, like with a chest bursting scene when the little alien comes out <laughs> you know that's a puppeteer down below pushing that up through a fake chest yes. you know like that is puppeteering. it's it's a lost unfortunately art because you just don't see it much anymore it's true um, you know, this harkens back to, to the days when you didn't have a choice but to do it all like that. And that's why the movie holds up so well is because you can't look at that and go, man, that's old CG, you know? Yeah. So it's just it looks real and you can't be you can't, you know, test that with time. It's still going to you know look exactly like it would if you made it today, you know no crazy effects or anything it's just actual realness and the guy who's in the suit of the alien he does such a good job of being the alien kudos to him mm -hmm. scary as hell <laughs> yeah yeah definitely that's not easy work and i'm sure he was extremely hot so no kidding right um i do have however one problem with this movie how could you have a problem with this movie? Well, you know, it's it's something. I mean, it is what it is. I understand, given the constraints of the story they're trying to tell. So it's something I just generally overlook. But it's just an issue with me personally. I don't like how quickly the alien grows. That that's like yeah, the only issue that I have. Like this thing pops out of his chest, scurries away. And yet, within 24 hours' time, the thing is a fully grown, you know, adult. And yep. it's like, I, I get it because, you know, how are they going to try to explain like, oh, okay, we thought we killed it. Um, I guess they could have tried to do something like they thought they, thought they killed it or something. Um, but it, they didn't. Uh, but like if they would have had it like over maybe like a week or two. You know, um, maybe that would have worked in terms of like a realistic, you know, growth spurt, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So that was like, that's my only problem. It's not a big deal. I get it. I understand why it is the way it is, because it would really diffuse the tension if you just tried to suddenly spread this story out over the course of like two weeks. So I, I get that. But in terms of, Realism, I have a hard time believing that in less than 24 hours, this thing goes from a baby to a full-grown adult. Yeah, it's yeah. quite true. It is really fast. I mean, like, after they have the funeral for, uh, I don't know his name in the movie, I just call him John Hurt, but uh, a Kane. Kane. Yes, Kane. Uh, it's just like, immediately they go looking for it, and it's like, boom, hey, here I am. <laughs> I'm massive now. It's really true. I didn't even like think of that when watching it, but you make a good point. It is just like, hey, I'm an adult now. <laughs> yeah. So in this movie, we got introduced to the space jockey. So. Oh yes. yes. So they go to the planet, right? And they find what basically is a temple. Uh, they go down below and they see the space jockey now. Interesting tidbit here. Fox did not want them to put this in the movie because it was really expensive and they didn't want to basically shell out all this money for a prop that's only going to be used in one scene. And uh, they were convinced eventually that this was going to be like the Cecil B. DeMille shot in this film that would 
you know, explain to audiences that this just isn't some your standard B movie. Uh, that they're watching, that there's more to this, that there is actual backstory. Uh, but we're not going to explain what that backstory is. We know nothing, you know, about what this thing is. You know, we know it's, it's really big. It's, it's humanoid looking. Uh, it, it looks like the chest has been ripped open. Um, but, you know, when this movie came out, nobody understood what that that was or the significance of that entire, you know, scene with that, that thing sitting there, you know? Yep. Not for many years, they wouldn't find out, but I mean, for to have watched it for like the first time back in 1979, I mean, it's a stunning shot. I mean, it's so alien. (laughs) I mean, everything in that room is like nothing you'd ever seen before including like this massive guy that is kind of human looking kind of not but looks like he's just made of bones and that it's like like they eventually tell us an exoskeleton kind of deal and they stay true to that and it's just like this seems a massive ship and it looks like you know black spinal bones and everything it's so good i mean it's iconic like you can never forget that it sticks with you oh yeah definitely there's no doubt about it (laughs) no doubt about it It definitely sticks with you (laughs) you know um so interestingly enough the xenomorph is only in the film for four minutes pretty crazy isn't it four total minutes of screen time um People often compare this to Jaws. They say this is Jaws in space, right? Yeah. And that's partially because of, you know, kind of this this alien creature lurking, but also because, like Jaws, it wasn't in the movie all that much. Everyone, you know, sometimes when you watch Jaws, you think the shark is everywhere, that it's all throughout the film, but it really isn't. I mean, you might see the fin, you know, but you don't see, you know, the shark very much because less is more. Uh, exactly. I wish I wish filmmakers today would understand that concept. Less is more. Uh, unfortunately, it's far more scarier. The unknown is way scarier than the known. Yeah. So keep that element in there. In fact, there is not a full profile shot of the of the alien at any point in the entire film. Not one. You see a portion of the head. You see a portion of the body. You see the teeth. You see the the front of the face uh, a bit. Um, it's always the shot already is, is like, sh- like zoomed in on a certain part of the body or it's shrouded in mist or steam or something that's in the way that was intentional. Scott did not want to see an entire full profile shot of the alien because it goes back to that less is more. And you know, the, the unknown is, is better than the known, like you said. So it's better to not see the whole alien as it is. You just see portions of it. So Yeah, exactly. So your mind can't actually make an entire picture yet. So you still, like, your mind's trying to fill in the blanks, but it's still just unknown to you. It could be anything. And that's way more terrifying than if you knew it had, like, a spear at the end of its tail or something like that you know it's way more scary your imagination to wander right yes all right did you watch the director's cut of alien or did you watch the theatrical cut uh, i think i watched the director's cut 
Okay, do you know the scene where uh, Lambert, uh, Veronica Cartwright's character, she slaps Ripley in the face when like Ripley wasn't going to let them on the ship? Do you remember oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so here's some information. So um, when they were doing this scene, they did like three or four takes, and each time that Cartwright um, went to slap you know, Sigourney Weaver – uh, she would like Sigourney Weaver would shy away. So like after like three or four takes, uh, Ridley Scott finally went to Veronica Cartwright and said, don't hold back. I mean, really like hit, really hit her, Aww. which is uh, why the reaction, the shock reaction you, that you get from like Weaver and uh, uh, Harry Dean Stanton's character and uh Yafit uh, Koda's character, like they're all so shocked, is because they were, <laughs> they were definitely shocked in that scene. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Poor Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> like, well, that's what you get for punching. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, like, I know it's like hard. Like, well, I don't want to punch her. Like, she's so pretty. <laughs> you know, like you don't yeah, want. I just want to bathe in her. You know, excellence. <laughs> just be a slave to her. <laughs> Uh, here's some other uh, tidbits here. Um, there was a sex scene that was scripted between Dallas and Ripley mm. uh, to show uh, how casually the, the crew would uh, solve long periods of abstinence in space. <laughs> uh, another uh, reference was to uh, – there was a deleted scene where Ripley inquires uh, with Lambert whether she ever had sex with Ash. Um, yeah, right. Uh, the sex scene between, uh, I believe between Dallas and Ripley, um, ultimately wasn't filmed, but, uh, director Ridley Scott revived it for, uh, Prometheus. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. man, that would be just as icky as the alien to know you had sex with like Ash. (laughs) Right. Um, so in terms of casting Ripley, uh, the role ultimately came down to Sigourney Weaver and Meryl Streep. So I go. could not see Meryl Streep being that role. Yeah, I mean, I'm I sure could, she could do it, but I, I have no doubt she could do it. I mean, who knows? You know, uh, I, I, not, you know what? No, I, I, you know what? I could honestly, I could see Meryl Streep blowing people yeah. away. I yeah. Mean, just because she's so good, you know, I don't think she'd have any trouble uh, throwing that suit on and, and being Ripley, as crazy as it sounds. Uh, I don't say that about anybody, like, lightly. I just think if she had been cast, I wouldn't be surprised that she would give a stellar performance. But Sigourney Weaver is, is Ellen Ripley, so... Yeah. They're two good choices. Like, it's not like... You know, one is always meant to be Ripley, and there's like, I can't believe they even considered this person to be Ripley. It's definitely two very valid choices, and I think Meryl Streep could have done a great job as well, but it was definitely always meant to be Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, well, fate, you know, and everything. Yep, for sure. Um, here's some other stuff for you. Copywriter uh, Barbara Gibbs came up with a tagline, In Space, No One Can Hear You Scream like the best iconic you know classic line like to this day people still quote it without even knowing it's from alien 
Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're like, we have no idea. Um, the film takes place in 2122. Um, let's see what else we got here. Oh, the this the the slime on the aliens like mouth and jaws when it comes out. Yeah, that was KY jelly. So. Oh my god, that's kind of adorable. <laughs> uh, that it's got a sexy mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Harrison Ford turned down the role of uh, Dallas. Wow. So, yep. Oh, whatever. We don't need you, anyways. <laughs> Apparently not. Um, <laughs> right. Mm. Oh, the the uh, face hugger. Mm-hmm. The cute it, little face hugger. Yeah, it, it was actually like when they went to like the dissection. Like it was made up of. Oh, what was it made up of? It was made up of like probably a horse crab. No, well, I don't know. If the, I know the insides. Like when they were doing like the dissection part, was like what they say it was like four shellfish. And something else they used to create the actual insides of the face hugger. So I don't doubt it because <laughs> it's very you know shellfish looking. Like it looks like you could boil it and have some crab legs. <laughs> you wouldn't want to, but you probably could. <laughs> right. Yep. Tinge of acid. Uh, at the end of the movie. It was up to, or it was uh, Sigourney Weaver's idea to sing uh, You Are My Lucky Star uh, while she was preparing to uh, get rid of the xenomorph. Uh, Ridley Scott got a bunch of flack from the studio because of how expensive it was to get the rights for that song. Oh, really? Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So oh, I didn't even know it was some other song. I thought it was just like, you know, you're kind of one of those lullaby kind of songs. Nope, nope. There That's was crazy. there were rights for that. It's crazy. Um, it's just like there are rights to Happy Birthday. Like that's insanity. <laughs> right. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about H.R. Geiger and his designs for the aliens and for everything that had to do with the planet and anything that had to do specifically with the aliens, which is amazing. Uh, this guy's mind has to be. Very interesting and dark and scary. Well, the original screenwriter who came up with the idea for Alien, um, he had actually met Geiger, right? Because he found that he wanted to work with him. The first thing that he, when he walked up and was introduced to Geiger, the first thing that Geiger did was ask him if he wanted some opium. And apparently (laughs) he took a lot of opium. (laughs) Um, It shows. It shows. Uh, So Geiger showed him his, like, I, th- I believe he showed him like drawings and different things that he was doing, and the, like the screener was like just blown away from by what he was seeing. He couldn't believe like some of the designs that this guy was coming up with. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, beyond Alien, his uh, art is just out of this world. It's insanity and very beautiful, but in a very creepy, dark way. Well. There's like a there's a very very blatant sexuality about H.R. Geiger's sure designs, <laughs> um, and even in this film, there are I mean there are some things in this this film like, you know if you look at the um, the face huggers right, well one of the yep. ideas the first thing that the screenwriters ran into was how is the alien going to get on board? They had no idea 
that was something that they were like, oh man, how do we get the island on board? How do we do this? And while this guy was laying in bed, while the screenwriter was laying in bed, he uh, kind of just sat up. He was like, I have an idea. <laughs> and the idea, of course, was what we, we saw, which is he was jotting all this stuff down. He was explaining it to his fellow screenwriter. And he said, you know, all right, this is what's going to happen. You, This is going to be this thing. It's going to shoot out and attach this guy's face. And it's going to implant the, the seed, the egg, into his, his body, like down into his stomach and or somewhere in the area. And it's going to then come out of him, going to burst out of his chest while it's on the, on the ship. And so that is the genesis for the whole, you know, face hugger uh, creature plus the, the chest bursting scene. So, yeah. Yeah, essentially here this alien kind of mouth fucks you and impregnates you and kills you in the process. Sorry, not sorry. Right. Well, I mean, like the uh, the thing is, though, Geiger ended up coming up with this, the, the general look. And so there's almost like the the... Because they didn't want to do it with a woman. They thought that, that was cliche. You know, yeah, to have it. True. It was the woman who would get attached, attacked and es- essentially raped by this this creature. So they didn't want to do that. Um, so they did it with a guy. Um, but in this movie, a very disturbing scene happens towards the end when Lambert, uh, she's standing there, the alien's in front of her, and the tail comes uh, over and it like kind of comes up underneath her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's implied. It's implied. Yeah. And I've always, I've always been slightly disturbed by that. It's scene. like, it's like in silent Hill where that one woman, like the barbed wire comes up from under her and comes out of her mouth. And that's what it always reminded me of. And then just kind of splits her in two. And it's like, that's, disturbing on an enormous amount of levels that I don't really want to broach, but I'm just going to accept that it happened. Right. There's a, there's a scene, I believe in evil dead. You've seen evil dead, right? Yeah. Long time ago. There's a scene where the, there's a, one of the women essentially gets raped by a tree or, well, yeah, basically. Yes. I mean, it's like you watch, I'm like, Oh, really? Really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I skipped over most uh, of this, it, but I remember that beginning to happen. Uh, Just like, mm, uh, nope, my brain doesn't need this. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, with Alien as well, Like I think Brian Fuller said it best that 99 out of 100 times, rape ruins it's the movie, the TV, whatever. And it's like an alien when they, uh, I think the third one, when she's in the jail and they're going to rape Ripley. I'm like, this movie was bad enough, but that's just like, kind of like, okay, get another cliche moment and just kill this movie already. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, try to think what else. <laughs> we went on a real tangent. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, yeah, but Geiger, Geiger stuff is just amazing. It's very, like I said, blatantly sexual. Um, yep. Just, just this beautiful darkness that pervades his work, um, along with that sexuality. It's just, it's hard to describe. It's just very, uh, I don't know, visceral. I guess his his style of design 
and uh, very and like a mix of sexuality and like this visceral beauty by nature. Uh, I feel like kind of sums up his work, you know, like a combination of darkness, sexuality, and like nature and, and brutality. Anatomy. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, if if none of you, if people listening have not seen his work, definitely Google H.R. Geiger. Uh, look into his books because you know they're a trip of their own. You don't need opium to look at his stuff and feel like you're tripping balls because it's pretty amazing. <laughs> right, and we have to remember something. You know, Alien was really successful in that it made seventy-eight million dollars at the box office. So. Yeah. You know, when you have that small budget and you make like 10 times, you know, what you put into a movie, you're doing pretty good. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, it may have not started off as like, I think opening weekend, it made like like maybe $250,000, but over time it made its profit back and then a lot more. <laughs> Definitely. Um so what are some other things you like about this this movie? We like the the pacing, we like the silence that kind of pervades this entire movie, kind of really envelopes this entire movie it, because it allows scenes to breathe. It allows the darkness to kind of come into the film and also, as we said, the tension building because you don't hear a lot of dialogue. You just have things that are happening that are scary and nobody's talking. And so it makes you more uncomfortable sitting there and watching the scenes play out. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely like, I think one of my favorite scenes is when, um, uh, whatever his face is, is looking for, for Jones. Cause Jones got away cause they're tracking the signal. And it's the first time like you really get to see the alien. And it's the, when you have that iconic, shot of the face just snarling and you have all the goo and the mouth comes out i mean that tension buildup was such a big payoff just for that one two seconds to you know see the snarl it's so incredible and terrifying like i think if i was like back in 1979 watching that for the first time i would be so unsettled and just wigging because that is so creepy but i mean they did such an incredible job doing that oh. right um i love how this this movie is broken up into several pieces right got you know the story where you have them uh hear, hearing that the beacon like the that's signaling that they have to go check it out the, so that's part one. Part two is um, the alien, the face hugger, getting onto his face, leading up to the ch the, the chest burster scene, and then the last third of the film is you know the people dying off one by one, and Ripley coming to understand the true intentions of Ash, um, which is fantastic and I, I gotta say ian home by the way does an amazing job here he's terrifying he so terrifying and uh i love how if you go back and you watch this movie from the beginning with the knowledge of ash's true intentions it's there you know all, all the time because what we have to realize is that this event that happens 
was the whole point of this trip. Yeah, okay. it had nothing to do with you know a distress signal. It was there the whole time just for them to go and find the source of this alien, and their lives be damned. It was all about bringing that life form back. Right, because we have to remember, Ash was re- replaced the the guy who was the original science officer on Nostradama. He mm-hmm. actually replaced him two days before they left. So a lot of them didn't really know Ash that well in the first place, but. You know, so the only reason he would be added last second like this is because he knew what the true intentions of the ship was in the first place. So, yeah, they were always going to come to this planet. They were always going to investigate. And probably the hope was that they would find something there. And if they did, it was Ash's job, you know, to ensure that it made its way back to where they came from. And what an interesting take on, like, a robot cybernetics android you know type of deal for them to you know run on this milky kind of fluid and his insides were just so very strange and it wasn't like your typical kind of robotics it was very unique mm-hmm. it was a really great job on that part as well like the alien yeah amazing stunning but also the insides of uh the android i mean there's pretty pretty good idea it was and, oh yeah it was inspired yeah. actually the design for ash was great because like you said i mean i think as far as i could tell i think that's the first time we saw the insides of an android not being some metal skeleton but you know like this milky like some milky liquid yeah. kind of thing and if you watch westworld you know where they're kind of getting their some ideas from <laughs> you know you gotta draw on some pretty classic inspirations mm-hmm and uh like you everyone knows that like Ian Holmes under the table but it still looks amazing that they have like the body sitting on the side and his head kind of propped up it's really cool looking and you don't think that okay like, hey, he's just under the table but it actually looks like a really good effect and good job on them definitely uh so i i love the 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 movie towards the end gets absolutely crazy the atmosphere ramps up uh, the tension in the atmosphere ramps up considerably um I, so we get towards the end the last couple people get killed off um ripley's now by herself she found you know the cat but now she's going to destroy the ship so she she starts the timer and so the timer's going down and it's this constant thing in the background Plus the lights are going off. It's like a strobe light, you know. Um, yep. So you got the steam, the smoke. You've got the void, the, the uh, over the announcer, the uh, not the announcement over the like intercom system. You have the countdown. You have all this stuff going on. Plus you've got an alien out there somewhere. And it it's this perfect combination where you're seeing an, an a character who is terrified, completely terrified, knows that they could be dead any second now. But they got to find their way from this one spot all the way, you know, to the to the ship. And so I love when she gets there, peers around the corner, and she sees the alien. And so she like retreats, goes all the way back, and she tries to turn off the countdown because now she doesn't think she's going to get to the ship. But unfortunately, she doesn't get the thing turned off in time, so she has no choice but to go right like all the way back. And find a way to get back on that ship she does 
it's such it's such a fantastic bit of, of filmmaking of acting of all of the things that play into that scene it's so well done because i was sitting there i've seen this movie i know what happens but i'm literally sitting on the couch my arms are like down beside me like my hands are grabbing hold of the couch gripping it because i'm so tense even though i know exactly what's gonna you know happen and how this all plays out yeah you're still rooting for her no matter what <laughs> and me rooting for like don't forget the cat <laughs> right right <laughs> very important no, 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 no. Yeah, no doubt about it. The cat is important. And since we're cat lovers, yeah, we don't want the cat to die. Yep. So, yeah, I love that. So we get to the final scene of the movie. What did you think? What did you think of the, the big reveal here in this final scene? This might be my favorite scene is the very end. I mean, everything's really peaceful. You think you're safe. You made it away from the terrifying alien and you get onto your ship and take off and everything's going to explode. The island's going to be incinerated and all's going to be chill. Then you're just walking around. You're checking something out and boom, hand right in your face. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> and it, I had, when I first saw this, didn't even think about it. Like they're closing in on that part where the head is. And even I'm still not cluing in like, Okay, that's a really close up of her side of her face kind of out of the screen there, but what okay, and then that hand comes out and you're like, Oh my god, that is a really smart alien. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean that was incredible. I mean it got I'm sure it got everybody, but it really got me. <laughs> what about you? I was terrified. <laughs> oh my god, I was, yeah. I was so terrified. I had the same reaction. I, I didn't see the alien. It was right in front of my face. Yep. And I didn't see it. I was wondering why they were, you know, taking their time here with this ending. I assumed it was going to be wrapped up pretty quickly, but I was looking around the room thinking, I don't see anything. Why, you know, but in that, you know, a couple seconds after that, then the hand like reaches out, like boom. <laughs> and she like stumbles back and shrieks and, and everything. And the only thing I can think of in this, the scene, the alien got stuck, right? Yep. Because yeah, I mean, cause it couldn't get out. Otherwise she'd be dead. Um, like it went in there to hide and unfortunately it hid in a spot that was just way too tight for it. Um, which is why in the scene when she gets, you know, her suit on and she hits the button, it kind of blows that steam out and kind of forces the alien. It's a lot, it's in a lot of pain. It's forcing the thing to get, to get out from its hiding spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's so well done and so smart, you know, for her to, gear up and try and get this thing out and such a great scene and I think this is definitely my favorite scene of the whole movie because it's very smart it's very suspenseful it catches you by surprise like even seeing this again knowing it's coming when that hand pops out it still made me jump it's so good yeah so so good the tension is just through the roof yep I love it I love how it's I love how it's shot. Um, I, I also like the the world that they exist in, the spaceship. It's not some sleek, beautiful looking thing. Like everything in that ship looks like it's run down. Everything looks like it's lived in, yeah. which I really, really appreciate that they didn't try to make this thing look super futuristic and just way too crazy. You know, they, they did a good job here. Yeah, it's true. It looks like just your 
what would be in their world your run-of-the-mill average cargo hauler kind of deal, you know, and very well done. It doesn't look like beautiful. It looks like, yeah, we do a dirty job and, you know, our ship is really mechanical and uh, basically we wouldn't put up walls because it would cost money. We'll just have everything exposed and really smart smart choice on the, uh, the director's choice or the designer's choice. Right. I feel like the late 70s and the early 80s were this wonderful time for science fiction movies that didn't get much praise upon their release because alien you know i just was looking at some of the reviews here when you were, you were talking and you know it had a mixed mixed reviews some critics enjoyed it uh some critics didn't um so it was not by any stretch like this this critical favorite um kind of a movie uh, but the same thing like i said we mentioned uh blade runner also the thing John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, yeah. Um, that was very good. It's, it's again, these are movies that upon the release were not given very much credit for anything. They were sometimes downright reviled. And only after, you know, years and years go by, like at least a decade or more, it's like sentiment begins to change because people start to see this movie and they're talking about how good it is. So I guess the question is, is this eventual critical acknowledgement that it didn't get, you know, initially, is that coming from critics seeing it again and saying, you know, no, what, no, you know, no, you know, this was actually a really good movie, or is it because the, the the fans, the us, the people that pay to go see this movie, uh, movies like this, end up talking about how good this movie really is? Like, where does the change in the critical? Um, consensus consensus come is it because the critics are actually coming to this consensus or are they just kind of following you know the lead of us the people yeah like do, do they have their actual own opinions or are they just kind of going with the flow of what we think just to get a bit more i don't know people paying attention to them kind of deal i'm not sure what it would have been like back then but the way it is now it wouldn't surprise me if that's the way it was then <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So I think we can uh, agree this is just a, an amazing, amazing film. It deserves to be on a top 100 list. If you have one yep. and, and Alien isn't on there, I don't know what is wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I kid. You know, you don't have to love it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. And that's fine. But for Sarah and I, I think we can both agree that Alien is, you know, among the greatest movies of all time. So. Yeah, it's very true. It's yeah, stands out and it's memorable and just ah, this dark eeriness that's beautiful and sticks in your mind for forever. <laughs> it really does. All right, Sarah. I think we are. I think we're down to uh, giving our opinions here, our final opinions and our grades. So why don't you take the the lead here with uh, your final opinion and your grade for Alien. Well, I can think you guys can guess that my opinion is pretty high of this movie. Um, everything about it is pretty amazing, uh, except for like the bit of stuff we talked about, that, like Michael brought up, that you know, it kind of turns from a baby into an adult in like less than twenty four hours. It's kind of crazy, uh, but other than that, I mean, the stillness, the style, the design. The writing, uh, the acting, I mean, it's all top-notch. Special effects, 
there's a reason they won an Oscar. So well done. You know, the fact that it's puppeteering and not just like CGI, phenomenal. And I do miss that type of, you know, style being done these days. It's really a lost art. Uh, I gotta... Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm teetering between an A and an A+. Plus. It's right in the middle. I'm giving it an A. A solid A. A high A. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I think this is a classic for a reason. Um, I think it set the standard or was one of the movies that really set the standard for horror. You know, it showed that you could have a horror film that doesn't take place on Earth in a house or wherever. You can have one that happens to be in space. And it's just effective and oftentimes more effective because it's kind of this funny juxtaposition. You have all this space around the ship, all the space out there in space, you know, infinite. And yet you can't go out there or you're going to die. So you're like stuck in this tin can <laughs> and there's a monster on in this tin can that can kill you. You can't even like get out of here and find safety. So um, I love it for that, and I just love it for the designs. I love it for the strong acting. I love it for the pacing. I love it for the silences. I love it for all of that. I love it for all the qualities that people have now come to define Alien as as a movie. You know, and there are many qualities, obviously, uh, very very many positive ones. Uh, the performances are excellent across the board. Uniformly excellent. As I said earlier, nobody phones it in. Everyone gives their best effort, and it shows. I can't. I can't give Alien less than an A plus. I really, I really can't. I mean, it, like, it makes my top one hundred movies list for a reason, because it deserves to. It's just that good. So. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, I can't do can't it. Can't argue with you on I, that. <laughs> I can't. I can't. You know, I mean, is it a perfect movie? You know what? It's it's almost is. It really. Yeah. It almost it's is. It's really close to being perfect. Right. I mean, like you're talking gripes. I don't like I said, but on the alien sprouting from a, a teensy weensy little, you know, alien to a full grown adult, capable of intelligent thought and all of that stuff in, you know. 24 hours time beyond that i have no complaints with this movie and if that's my biggest complaint this one little tiny thing then yeah <laughs> it's it's nothing so all right yeah, that's it for that's the review <laughs> yeah all right so i think that's it for the uh podcast this week so stay tuned next week we'll of course be covering alien covenant like i said earlier barry will be back uh, reviewing the movie with us uh, we're excited can't wait to see you know what really scott has up his sleeve from the trailers it looks phenomenal we're hoping that it is as phenomenal in real life as in like the theater seeing the entire thing as <laughs> it is watching you know these awesome trailers yes. you know so yeah if it's anything as good as you know the original alien then it's doing a good job right definitely all right, everybody. Uh, 
I guess uh, have a good week. If you want to write into the podcast, uh, Sarah, how can they do that? How can they respond and provide us their opinions on how we're doing or any of the movies that uh, they have been checking out on our podcast? Yeah, if you want to send you know, feedback, thoughts, voicemail, uh, what your opinions are of the movies we discussed or are going to discuss, uh, things you think we got wrong or that you want to add to, more knowledge, what have you, you can do so by sending them to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at freakgeeksmedia. Uh, you can also check us out, patreon.com forward slash freakinggeeks, where we have other content and like different subscriber levels and all that good stuff. And if you would be so kind as to hop over to iTunes, give us a rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It gets us noticed, and you know, the more people that notice us, the more people that get to hear about these amazing movies. So, yeah, that would be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. I guess uh, have a good week, and we'll see you next week when we cover Alien Covenant. All right, have a good right. night. Later, geeks. <laughs>